Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Eighth Circle, A Special Place in Hell, written by Theodore Jerome Cohen. Corruption, bribery, and murder equals mystery du jour. When the mayor of New York's grandson and the grandson's wife are murdered execution-style in their Tribeca apartment, NYPD Detective Louis Martelli and his partner Detective Sean O'Keefe are left completely in the dark. Months go by without any actionable leads until a meeting with the wife's doctor and the bizarre torching of Stephanie Martelli's car turn the investigation upside down and land Martelli and O'Keefe in the hot seat. When an old friend of Pietro Martelli's, Louis's deceased father and a former street cop who had been gunned down in the line of duty, Sends Martelli a note asking for a meeting, things take an even stranger turn. The evidence in this mob-driven case of political corruption, bribery, and murder pits the two detectives against their boss, Captain Hanlon, NYPD Commissioner of Police Eugene Fields, and his honor, the mayor. Can Martelli and O'Keefe survive this kind of pressure and keep their jobs, much less solve the case? You'll have to listen to Eighth Circle to learn the answers. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Eighth Circle. One. I'm getting too old for this, thought NYPD homicide detective investigator Louis Martelli as he slipped behind the wheel of his wife's aging 2005 Buick. Sliding the key into the ignition, he flipped the switch put the car in gear, and drove from the New Jersey motel where he had been playing cards to the entrance of the Garden State Parkway that led north toward his home in Brooklyn. Stephanie, his wife and the girl he met in high school some 25 years earlier, had left the radio set on one of the many New York rock and roll stations. Martelli, however, wanting a change, pushed the seek button until the radio settled on WRXP, the new country western station in New York. Just like old times thought Martelli, his memories of Camp Udari, Kuwait, flooded into his mind. The music reminded him of William Bat Masterson, his old army buddy from Memphis, and the great music Masterson used to play on his CD player before the invasion of Iraq. Songs by Alan Jackson, Leanne Womack and Willie Nelson, Faith Hill, Dolly Parton, and others. He and Bat used to sit and listen to Masterson's CDs for hours at a time after a full day of flying Blackhawks on practice missions over the Kuwaiti desert. Martelli laughed softly as he pressed the accelerator to the floor. The Buick first hesitated and then jumped on his command. It was 3.45 a.m. Fortunately, it was early Saturday morning, and while Stephanie would understand his wanting a poker night out with his old war buddies, it still was a pretty late night as nights outgo. What are you laughing about, Lou? Martelli could hear Masterson's voice in his right ear, the ghost passenger in the seat beside him. Lou bit his lower lip. Bat never made it back from a rock, he remembered. I wonder whatever happened to his wife Sherry and their two boys. Masterson always was the first one in line for mail call, but the men never knew whether it was because of the sexy perfumed love letters he got from Sherry or the country western CD she included with every letter. You were the lucky one, Lou, Masterson reminded Martelli, as if Lou needed reminding. Martelli had been aboard a Black Hawk helicopter that was shot down, a result of friendly fire, some thought, during the April 2003 invasion of Baghdad, a part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. 
Now, with the help of a prosthetic leg, he walked with a slight limp. He worked for NYPD under a special waiver issued by the mayor. Hey, you're right, Bat. At least I'm alive. That's more than I can say for the pilot and co-pilot. He never talked about the fact that he lost his leg attempting to save them. His last memory before he blacked out was of their cries from the cockpit, desperate cries for help that he never was able to answer, desperate cries that he heard over and over again in his nightmares until he thought he would go insane. It was Stephanie who was always there when that happened, soothing him, changing the bedsheets that had become drenched in sweat, and assuring him that this too shall pass and tomorrow would be a better day. It was a miracle Martelli even made it into the army. In grade school, while most of his friends were playing baseball or basketball after school or on weekends, Martelli was hustling to make a buck on the streets of Brooklyn and Manhattan. With his father, Pietro, an NYPD street cop, working long hours on the force and his mother taking odd jobs to keep the family in groceries, the boy had little in the way of supervision at home, day or night. It wasn't long before he was running numbers for local mobsters, hustling cards, working as a thimble-rigger of a shell game on Broadway, picking pockets on the subway, and in general, heading for a life of crime, if not a long stay in prison, courtesy of the New York penal system. Given the younger Martelli's behavior throughout his high school years, it should have come as no surprise when, immediately upon his graduation from high school, Pietro drove him to the Army recruiter's office and helped him enlist. If anyone were to ask Lewis today, he would tell them with that one act, his old man saved his life. Still, those years on the street served the detective well, and when it came to cars and other games of chance, as well as to reading people, there were few who could be called his equal. Martelli laughed again. Boy, sitting in the goddamn desert waiting for someone to give us flying orders sure gave us plenty of time to learn the game of poker, didn't it, Bat? Learn? responded Masterson. All we learned to do is cheat, for God's sake. I don't think we ever played an honest game. It was true. They cheated all the time, and they all knew it. But Martelli was the master when it came to dealing from the bottom of the deck, card culling, card segregation, card assembly, and forcing errors of judgment by badgering his opponents. This is what made the reunions, such as the one tonight, so much fun. Cheat, catch the other guys cheating, reminisce over old times, raise a bottle of beer to toast all who gave some in the war, and raise another bottle to toast those who gave all. And tonight, as was always the case, when the card games were over, they threw all the money in play onto the table and donated it to the police unity tour. The intent was to help with the care of families in which a member of some police force somewhere had died in the line of duty. This is what the police unity tour had done when Pietro died in a hail of bullets from the guns of two escaped felons he had tracked to and was mortally wounded in a warehouse on the docks in lower Manhattan. It was the president of the local chapter who stood with New York Police Department chaplain Mark Campbell when they brought the news of Pietro's death to Martelli's mother. And from that moment on, there never was a moment when a unity tour member was not by Mrs. Martelli's side comforting and taking care of her until Martelli was able to arrive home from Iraq on emergency leave. As a Taylor Swift song played in the background on the car radio, Martelli rubbed the stub left leg upon which his prosthetic device was fitted. It felt like his toes were tingling, which was strange because he had no toes on that leg. He did not even have a left foot. The fact was, he was missing his left leg from the knee down. 
Yet, from time to time, he had those phantom sensations in which it felt like his toes were tingling, and these sensations usually occurred for some strange reason when a case was bothering him. This time was no different. The case he and his partner detective specialist Sean O'Keefe were working on had them stymied. Not to put too fine a point on it, they had hit a brick wall, and neither Captain Timothy Hanlon of the 1st Precinct nor New York City's Commissioner Eugene Fields was pleased. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Eighth Circle. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.